isn't it interesting to to note families, uh, particularly as parents, you, uh, or maybe even uh, looking at other people's families, to note that kids can be uh, raised in the same house, they can have the same parents, and yet they end up so different. Uh, maybe they look different, maybe they act completely different, their personalities are are different, and that that is so true of of Rita and I's uh, family. Um, our, our youngest, Caleb, probably is the most like Rita in our family. I'll let you decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, plus the favorite, yes, as Chris would point out. So, uh, but but Caleb's the most like like uh, like Rita. Brian, our oldest, looks the most like me. He's got, although he's trying to cover it up with a comb over, but he's, he's going bald and, and he, he stands like me. People have, uh, have said they can see him from behind and think he looks like me. I don't know how that happens, but, but he looks the most like me. Crystal, on the other hand, is loud and oftentimes speaks without thinking. And she gets that from me, I, I believe. Uh, and then there's our, our, our middle son, Joel. And Joel has some unique, characteristics. He's probably the smartest. Would you agree, Crystal? Okay, he's the, the, the smartest. He probably has the best sense of humor. Joel Joel has some unique characteristics, but one of the unique things about our son Joel is that he has no sense of direction. He can get lost in his own bedroom uh, at times. He just, he doesn't know up from down, north from south, uh, and he just struggles with that. When he was in high school, the very first time that he went to the mall, from Rushville to the, the mall in St. Joe, uh, w- without us, he rode with his friend Corey, and for some reason, I believe it's because Corey's mom lived uh, on the route, they took the, uh, uh, the the St. Joe traffic way or beltway or whatever that's called, parkway, thank you, I knew that didn't sound right, they took the parkway to the mall. Now, that is the, the stupidest way to go, but Corey went that way because his mom lived near there. I think Joel was in college before he went any other way to the mall except the parkway because he knew how to get there that way. Uh, so it was, it was interesting when I believe it was either the, the summer after his junior year or the, or it could have been the summer after his senior year. Joel drove with, with a few other people in the car with him, drove to Joplin to go to a basketball camp at Ozark Christian College and, and he went just with himself and, and, and his friends. I wasn't with him. Usually I took him down. And, and we, we sent him on the way to Joplin, and I had detailed directions on how to get. Joel had made that trip uh, dozens of times, but, but, but always as a pastor. So I had detailed instructions, step-by-step in, instructions, including landmarks to look for and such like that of how to get there. And, and so as Joel headed down, occasionally he would stop and call. He stopped in Belton when they stopped and ate at the, the Taco Bell there at that accident. He called and said, hey, we're at, the, we're at the Taco Bell. So I knew where he was. A little bit later, he called when he got down to uh, a little bit further south of Kansas City. Hey, we're doing okay. And and, and I was kind of watching my, my, looking at my watch and, and about the time that I thought, well, he should be just about to jump on my, my phone rang. I, I looked down. It was from Joel. I picked it up. I said, Joel, you made it. There was a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of silence. And he said, uh, dad, I think I'm lost. I said, you're, you're lost, Joel. I said, I, I, I asked him this. Well, where are you? Which is really a dumb question to ask someone who's lost, because if they knew where they were, they wouldn't be lost, I guess. But, 
But I said, Joe, where are you? He said, well, Dad, I turned left on Main Street like you, you said. And that was, that was in the instructions. You turn left on Main Street. But he said, I turned left on Main Street and, and it dead ends. It doesn't go anywhere. And so I said, Joe, are you in Joplin? He said, I, I think I am. I said, well, Joe, what do you see? And he said, well, there's these, these big praying hands, a statue of this huge praying hand. Do you guys know where that is? Yeah, you know, he didn't. Uh, there's these big praying hands. And, and Jad, you said the gas station would be on the, the left. It was on the right. And you said there would be a Sonic on the right. I haven't seen a Sonic in miles. And I said, Joe, uh, the gas station is on the left. And there is a Sonic on the right. And the praying hands are in Webb City, not Joplin. Now, in his defense, I hadn't told him that there would be a Main Street in Webb City. And I mentioned nothing about praying hands as a possible landmark. But, but, but he had seen Main Street and, and missed it. Even though I'd given him, had given him detailed directions, drive through Webb City. You'll go past the, Joplin Municipal Airport. It'll be on your right. A little bit after that, there'll be a sign that says City Limits Joplin. Then you'll come to Main Street in Joplin, Sonic on the right, gas station on the left. You turn left. I think you could find Ozark uh, past that. Sometimes, though, we are, I think in, in life, we're a little bit like my son, Joel. We, we miss the obvious. We miss what we're aiming at. Sometimes I think we miss, in reality, we miss who God is. The truth is God, God's word lays out in an easily, easily understandable way, uh, a, a detailed map, a, a road map of, that leads us to God. It paints for us a wonderful word picture of who he is. His working in our lives gives us some practical demonstration of who He is. The the simple gospel gospel message of God sending His Son to Jesus, His Son Jesus, to come to Earth, live like a man, just like us, and and do it without sinning, then die on the cross, illustrates to us a valuable how valuable you are to Him, and shows us in an undeniable way the character and nature of God. And yet, and yet we miss Him. Oftentimes we find ourselves lost in the wrong place asking that question, who, who is God? If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Psalm 103. I, I'm going I'm to encourage you to stay there and keep that open. We'll, we'll refer back to these verses after I read them a couple times. And, and I'm going to reference several passages today. Uh, as I mentioned, you can go look them up if you want to. If you want to just jot them down in your notes and look them up uh, and check those out a little bit later, you can do that as well. But look with me in Psalm chapter 103, and we're going to see three simple thoughts, see, three simple ideas, three simple characteristics of who God really is. It's going to show us God. So Psalm 103, we're going to start in verse 8 and take that down just to verse 13. The Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion 
on those who fear him. We sometimes miss the obvious about who God is. We we think of God as uninterested or 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 God is way off somewhere else and really doesn't have time for us. Some of us might see God as angry or authoritative. We might see God as just one who sits in heaven waiting just waiting for us to mess up so he can zap us or waiting for us to mess up so he can call us out on our mistake. And yet, and yet Psalm 103 seems to describe a completely different God. Notice the first thing it says, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Maybe that, maybe that flies in contrast to to who you think God is sometimes. Maybe that's opposite of the God that, that you think might be sitting in judgment of you. Now, now let me toss this out before, before we go any further. And this really will apply to all three things. I want you to temper what I'm going to say when we look at these wonderful characteristics of God. I, I want you to temper that against what, 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 what I'm going to say now. Don't, don't forget this is true. That God is our Father. He's not our grandfather. Now let that sink in for a second. Maybe you can, you can get what I'm after. The God's our father. He's not our, our, our grandfather. God is our father. He's not our favorite uncle. He still demands obedience. He still expects our humility. He wants our respect and honor. He disciplines us, guides us, motivates us. And God has plans for our lives. And, and God through his word has laid out some 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 guidelines for us to live by. And yes, and yes, God is watching us. Not angry, not waiting for us to mess up, but God is watching us. My dad, uh, my dad was a very compassionate man. Now, uh, I, I've, I've talked about him before. My, my dad did a, uh, I'll just be honest, a poor job of communicating that verbally. Uh, it's something that I tried to do a little better job, uh, with, with my parenting skills, and, and I think my kids have done a better job than what I what I did. So my dad didn't. He was of an era where you didn't really say it or communicate it. But but my dad actually was a man that had a, a, a great amount of compassion uh, in his life. At at his funeral, my dad I mentioned this died when he was fifty three years old. A friend of him of his asked if he could give the the eulogy for my dad and. And, and so Noel got up. Noel was the superintendent at our, our high school and dad had served as uh, chairman of the, the school board for a number of years. And Noel got up and, and, and related several stories of how he knew my dad and things my dad had done for him. And towards the end of what he was talking about and what he said about my dad, he said, said that Joe Champ was one of the kindest, gentlest, most compassionate, compassionate men that he knew. He said that he had never seen my dad angry or upset. It was kind of funny. You're not supposed to laugh in funerals necessarily, but all six of us kids kind of looked at each other and giggled like, we have. <laughs> we have seen him angry and upset. And and yet notice what the verse says. The Lord is compassionate. Now, now we'll temper that with what it says next. He, he, he's slow to anger. Uh, verse 10, he does treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. God... Uh, God, it says there is slow to anger. Uh, my, my brother, Rick, on his 16th birthday, I'll never forget, he, we, we shared a bedroom. My, my, Rick, my brother Rick woke up that morning. He just turned 16. He was excited. He jumped out of bed because he was getting his license that day. And sure enough, later in the morning, Mom went by the high school, picked him up, took him to Mount Vernon to the, 
the driver's license place. He, he did the test. He did the driving test. He passed. Uh, when, when, when I saw him after school, we were in different schools at the time. When I saw him after school, he was excited. I got my driver's license. He showed me his picture. Or probably at that time, actually, it was a piece of paper. They, what, three weeks later, you got it in the mail. They didn't do it immediately. But show me the paper. I'm a, I'm a licensed driver. He was so thrilled. In fact, he had already made arrangements with Dad. There was a basketball game that night at a way. So he had already asked Dad, can I drive the car to the high school? The coolest thing about that is when, when you come home, you don't have to wait for mom and dad to pick you up. You can just jump in your, your, your car and go. So, so dad had agreed. So Rick parked dad's car over the high school, got on the bus, went to the game, came back, and, and he, he got back. And I, I wasn't there, but, but I can almost imagine when Rick got off the bus with his, his gym bag, he was kind of, kind of puffing his chest out a little bit because all the other losers were having to stand over there and wait for their parents. All the other freshmen and sophomores that hadn't turned 16 yet were, were waiting over there, and, and not Rick, because he, he was going to court. I, I can imagine him waving over to his friend Danny and said, Danny, see you tomorrow. Got to get in the car. Got to get it warmed up. Go. <laughs> my, my brother got in my dad's old Ford Ferret. Well, I don't know what it was. Ford, I don't know what it was. A Ford 500 or something. He got in my dad's old junker, uh, started that baby up, and, and, and it, 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 it made quite a bit of noise as he started. He dropped it in reverse. And backed up and hit another car. <laughs> when, when Rick got home later that night and made his way finally to our bedroom, I knew something was up, something was wrong. It took a while for him to be able to put it into words, what he had done. He told me that he had backed into to this, this classmate's dad's car. And I'm pretty sure what I said was, what did dad do? Because I could imagine... I can imagine that dad, and and dad was compassionate. Now, don't get me wrong. He was gentle and kind, at least with everyone else. And, and, uh, but, but, but I just, I just knew dad would have blown up. I just knew dad would have read him the riot act. I just knew dad was going to ground him until he was 25 and, and married and then maybe even longer than that. I just knew, but I'll never forget what my brother said. My brother said he, he, he didn't do anything. He, he, he just said, that's okay, Rick. Am I a bad person that I was disappointed? <laughs> Man, I'm like, i got to remember that next time I really mess up. Dad, remember Rick? Now, now catch this. I know that Dad was not happy. I know he was thinking, Rick, I taught you better than that. You've been driving. Uh, hey, we grew up in a small town. You've been driving since you're eight years old, Rick. You, you know. To, uh, and I'm sure he had, he had told him, hey, be careful in parking lots. There's going to be cars around you. And I, I know that he had told him that. And I know he was disappointed. I know that because I'm a parent who's had kids that have made some of those same mistakes. And I don't remember how I always responded. Probably not as well as my dad did. But what I want you to see here, what I want you to catch is th- this verse does say that, that God is slow to anger. And, and I don't know that, that we need to see that or understand it. We probably shouldn't understand that as God is mad and furious with us. Maybe more so that God is disappointed with us, that God has a plan for us. And when we, when we go against that plan, when we don't follow his instruction, he knows the one that really gets hurt is, is us. And so, so when we mess up, God just, his heart breaks for us. I think that's really what this idea of anger is, not so much him being mad or, or, or totally upset with us. But I want you to understand and see that, that, that God's anger can coexist 
with his compassion. See, the Lord is compassionate. I, I think we notice like just a couple quick things and I'll, I'll move, on, move on. I think we see from there that he, that, that God is patient. That he knows that we're going to mess up. He knows when we do mess up. And yet he chooses not to judge us, to be slow to anger, to, to not accuse us. God, God is patient with us. My seventh grade teacher uh, was a guy named Charlie Crane. Now, I can say that now. He's been gone for a number of years. If I, if I met him today, I'd still call him Mr. Crane. I uh, had a lot of respect for the guy. Seventh grade teacher, my basketball coach in junior high. Uh, and he was, I grew up, I, I'm, I'm pretty old, so I was back in the day where, men you did not talk in school. In classroom, there was uh, was total uh, silence when that was called for, and Mr. Crane was one that made sure that, that that everyone did what they were supposed to do. In fact, Mr. Crane was the type, and, and I can remember this vividly. He was the type that when when someone broke a rule, when someone spoke out of turn or did something, his his whole face would turn red immediately. It would just flash red, and he had this birthmark right on the side of his neck that that you didn't see unless he was mad. His face would turn red and that birthmark would stay white. So you knew when you saw the birthmark, to be careful. It was one day, I, th- I think we were, it was a, a time of, of reading where we were all supposed to be silent reading or we were taking a test or something. I glanced up and Mr. Crane's head was down and he was reading or doing something. And and I don't know why, but Randy Knox, my best friend, was sitting next to me and I kind of whispered over to Randy, hey, now, I've since learned that I don't have a very good inside voice. Amen, uh, Rita, Crystal? I don't have a very good inside voice, so I'm sure it was louder than I thought because I glanced up again and Mr. Crane's head was up and that birthmark was just pulsing. You know what happened? Mr. Crane, that's my mental picture. He was a great teacher, but I, I, I always got that sense of him just watching, waiting for someone to mess up. Don't. Don't raise your hands on this, but how many, how many of us think that that's who God is? We think that God is just waiting for us to blow it. God is just waiting for us to mess up. God is just waiting for us to stumble so he can say, gotcha, when in reality, he is wishing for us to call on him. That's why David says here, the Lord is compassionate. See, see he's compassionate, he's patient, and and in a in another way, in another aspect, I think he's proud of us, even though. I'm going to illustrate. I don't know if you'll catch this. I asked Reed if she could tell, and she she really couldn't. Our our youngest son Caleb said we all all my kids have different aspects. Our youngest son Caleb has. I don't know how to say this gently. I don't mean this at all bad. Uh, I'd say it to his face, and we joke about it occasionally. He has a huge head. Um, and, and I think that's why when he was younger, I think his head, I, doctor never said this, but I think his head weighed too much. And so whenever he fell, he constantly hit his head. He always had bumps and bruises and marks and scabs on his head because every time he fell down, he would bump his head. Now, now I'll, I'll, I don't know if you can illustrate. I, I, he has a hat he left at our house. I don't know if you can tell this just a little. Got plenty of room to grow into if I, I want. His head is, is, is huge. Oops, missed. Uh, and, and and so we would take him out in public, and there was more than one time where someone would kind of look over their nose at him like, <laughs> yeah, I know what you did. 
Luckily, that was a day before you had 800 numbers and hotline numbers to call. So, but, but people kind of looked at us. But, but you know what? We still took him out in public. Even though his bumps and bruises were signs of his inability to protect himself on a fall, we somehow were still proud of him. Verse 9, he will not accuse nor harbor his anger forever. Jesus, despite what we look like, despite how we might mess up, despite how we might let him down, despite the bumps and spiritual bruises on our body, God still has compassion for us. Let me just touch on some verses. Like I said, if you want to write these down, you can. I'll read them quickly, but we don't have time to look them all up. Matthew 9, 36 tells us how Jesus showed compassion. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people who were hurting physically, and he had compassion. He saw people who were hurting relationally, and he had compassion. He saw people who were hurting spiritually, and he had compassion. And Scripture calls us to compassion as well. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. God is compassionate. Jesus is compassionate. We are called to compassion. But we see another aspect, another another quality of God. Not only it was the, the Lord compassionate, the Lord also is loving. Look at verse uh, 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. It was uh, a number of years ago, I was in the Colorado Springs airport. I'd helped drive a group of, of high school kids to a CIY in Durango, Colorado. Actually, I drove just as far as Colorado Springs uh, to, to help trade off on the driving and, and then flew home. And then at the end of the week, I flew back to Colorado Springs. They met me at the airport and I helped them get the rest of the way home. So, so I got up early. My, my, actually my nephew and niece, I'd stayed at their house. They dropped me by the airport early and I had, I had a two or three hour layover till my flight left. And so I, I set up camp in an area of the, the concourse and, uh, and, and sat there and started to read a book. As I was reading a book, I noticed a family kind of out of the corner of my eye. I probably, glanced up a little bit and noticed him coming and they, they sat kind of in the general section that I was sitting in and but but I didn't really I kept my nose in my book and I kept reading and 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 I could could overhear just some of the stuff that was going on I I began to to hear the dad talk and 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 I'd kind of glance and the dad was sitting on the floor and I heard him talking and and there's something about the way he was talking that just that just drew me in a little bit. He, he was talking softly and, 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 and talking with a gentle voice and, and you could just sense a, an attitude of love in his voice or just something that was just very soothing. As a dad, it just kind of, it kind of touched me in a way to, that he was doing. But I kept looking at my book and reading along and, and, uh, and he kept doing that. Then he began to urge and I knew when he called him by name that, that the little, the little child he was talking to was a boy and he began to urge the little, little son he's talking to to walk towards him and, and I kind of glanced up to look, but dad, the way he was sitting was blocking the child. I couldn't see the child. Uh, so I went back to my book and, but, but again, I'm still listening. Dad just, 
just lovingly say, come on, you can do it, and call him by name. And, and, and as he took a step and fell, apparently from what, what I could, could catch, the dad was encouraging him. And, and as the, the, the little boy got a little bit closer to the dad, I finally got my first, first glimpse, my first look at this, this little child. And it shouldn't have affected me the way it did. It really shouldn't have, but it, I, I'm just being honest. It, it did. My, my heart kind of sunk. A, a heaviness came over me and just, just a real sense of sadness. Not, not for me, but for the dad. Cause I, I got a glimpse of that little child that was struggling his way to his dad. And, and the little guy had, was obvious that had Down syndrome. And I just thought for a second, well, here's a little guy that probably won't be able to do everything that that dad had hoped. And here's a little guy that won't, won't be able to accomplish everything that maybe dad had hoped for him. And, and for a split second there, I was sad for the dad. And then, then, then an overwhelming emotion came over me and the tears, I didn't cry uncontrollably, but the tears did well up in my eyes. So much so that I put my face back in the book. Because then it hit me that this dad didn't see the little boy that way. He didn't see him as a problem. He didn't see him as flawed. He didn't see him uh, as, as as a challenge. The way this dad was taught in this little boy, he just loved him. See, God's love for us. Maybe we miss it. Maybe maybe we get way off base. Maybe we, we don't understand who God is. And maybe you think God doesn't care, and you think God is distant, and you think God is angry, and God is just wanting to... But you know what? The scripture says that his love is great and his love is complete. And even though he sees us, and, and let's just be honest, he looks at us and we are flawed. And I don't know anyone that's ever going to reach the potential that God would love us to reach in our spiritual walks. And yet God still loves us. As high as the heavens are from the earth, I I fly occasionally, not very much. I, I fly just infrequently enough to still enjoy flying. And so when I get on an airplane, I'm always excited, but I always sit by the window seat. Rita knows this. She just, she's on before me. She waits and lets me go to the window seat because I love to sit at the window and, and, and once we're up at, at altitude to look down. I think the, our last flights, we ended up on the wing every time. Kind of ticked me off, but, uh, um, but, but I love from 25 to 30,000 feet, you look down and, and everything is so small. A, a house is just a speck, and, and, and a super highway, a four- or five-lane highway, looks like just a ribbon through the, the countryside. But can you imagine, as this verse ex- explains it, that, that didn't even touch the heavens. And David here says, as far as the heavens are, that's the, the expanse of God's love. And catch this, David didn't even experience yet God's love through Jesus. He had prophesied it, whether he really knew what he was prophesying or not. He, he had talked about it in prophetic terms, but, but there was going to be a time when God was going to demonstrate in a, in a final way how practical uh, his love was and the extent of his love when he sent his son Jesus. See, his love is complete. Uh, but his love is... An, I'm not, I'm gonna to have to just buzz over this. His love is complete, but it's also conditional. Uh, do you realize that God's love is conditional? Now, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, but doesn't John 3.16 say, for God so loved the world? And yes, he did. God loved his creation. 
And God loves every one of us. And God loves every created person. And that's why he sent Jesus. But but there is something different. We are called uh, to 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 uh, to realize God loves us, but but the end of John three sixteen says this. Uh, but he adds this qualifier that for those who believe, those who called on him. John chapter one verses eleven to thirteen says this. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Speaking of the Jews, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Notice notice this passage says, so great is his love for those who fear us. Don't don't take this and run too far. I don't want you to because I don't, uh, which is not necessarily a reason not to do that. But uh, God, God loves the world. God loves everyone. But God has a soft spot in his heart for those of us who fear him. God's love for those who he calls his sons and daughters. And I'm not big into semantics, but really not everyone's a son of God. Only those who believe in Jesus, who called on Christ, are actual sons of God. Don't worry about semantics if you want to call it that, something else. But but God loves us. Here's the truth. Um. If I have to run back into a burning billy to save your kids or my kids, I think most of my kids I'm going to save first. Yeah, Crystal, I'll get you. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to run back in to save my grandkids, probably before your grandkids. Now I may go back and get yours too, but but I love I love my kids more than I love yours. When we believe and call on Jesus, now, now don't run too far with this. I'm not trying to mean, I don't want to upset anyone on this, but, but the reality is the verse says it. Great is the love for those who fear him, who called on his name. Yes, Jesus loves us. First John, uh, first John chapter 316 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. See, Jesus showed that same kind of love and we're called to love. 1 John 3.16 goes on and says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 1 John 3.23 says, And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. Uh, and 1 John 4.7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Been born of God and knows God. Uh, he is compassionate. He is loving. And, and, and we'll finish up here quickly. He is forgiving. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We know through what Jesus did that his forgiveness is free. There's nothing we can do to pay for it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to make God happy enough with us that he's going to offer it to us. It is just simply offered to us. That is what grace is about. His forgiveness is free, and it is forever because God is forgetful. When it comes to our sin, God somehow can forget our sin. As far as the east is, as the east is, from the West. 
He removes our sin from us. And we know Jesus forgave. John, or Luke uh, 23, 34, Father, forgive them from the cross, for they don't know what they're doing. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And we're called to forgive. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. One another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's easy to... It's easy to miss who God is. To stop short of what his nature really is. But, but David lays it out very simple here. Our God is a compassionate God. He's a loving God. And he's a forgiving God. A, a lot has changed since, uh, my son Joel took that drive to, to Joplin and, uh, came up a little bit short. Donnie, you guys can come on up. Came up a little bit short in Webb City, turning on the wrong main street. He's got actually a little bit better of following directions and figuring out where to go. He even in college, I think after his sophomore, junior year, drove all the way to Arizona to spring training to watch the Royals and made it there and back. Now, I don't know if he got lost a few times and didn't tell me, but he did at least get there and get back and return to our vehicle. So so he's got a little bit better. But kind of an interesting thing, my, my son Joel's a firefighter and and occasionally, not all the time, uh, occasionally, uh, as part of his job, he drives the fire truck. He's not technically uh, promoted to that position, but he can do that occasionally. And, and he was telling me here a while back, I was asking about that, and he says, Dad, when I, when I know that I'm going to be the engineer, I'm going to be the one driving, he said, man, I stress. He said, I can't sleep, I can't rest, because I'm worried about going the wrong direction." He, he says he sits and studies maps and, and makes sure he knows the street because when the alarm goes off and address is given, he's got to, he's got to get there. He's got to go the, the right way and know how the roads are laid out and, 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 and even a simple thing of turning the right direction out of the fire station. He said here recently he turned, came out, turned right and one of his guys looking like, where are you going, Joel? He's like, oh man, I went the wrong way. But, but an interesting thing happened. I meant to keep my phone in my pocket. An interesting thing happened, uh, that, that is different for today. Let me have it real quick, Rita. Yes. This is my son. You didn't know firefighters did this. Because when the call comes in now and he needs to know, he opens up his phone and puts in the address and hits start. See, he goes to something that shows him how to get there. So, so if he wanted to go to Joplin, if he wanted to go to Dallas, if he wanted to go to New York City. Now, New York City, I'd be a little concerned about, but, but he can still, he can plug it in, hit start, and turn by turn by turn, it tells him where he's going. And when he messes up, it'll say recalculating. It'll say turn around and go back the other way. God's, God's word tells us, gives us the instruction, it shows us who God is, he can pass and he's loving. He's forgiving. Let's not miss that. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your your word and how it simply and purposely lays out who you are. We're the ones that mess that up. We're the ones that attribute to you characteristics that aren't yours. We're we're the ones, Father, that 
that look at ourselves and, and think we're not lovable when your word is plain and simple that we are. Father, help us. Help us be moved and motivated. Help us be challenged today to see you as you are, but also to recognize that in Jesus and recognize that we're called uh, in our walk to be compassionate, to be loving, to be forgiving. In Jesus' name. Would you stand as we stand?